Good morning, Living Water. Jason, or I guess Jacob, in a minute, if you, can, if you don't mind going, go ahead and come up. I can't get my words out of my mouth this morning. It's been a busy week, but it's a good to be in God's house this morning. Uh, this coming this morning is Jacob Avent. He's, today's a special day because he's getting baptized, but it's also his 18th birthday. So let's all say happy birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. Let's hop in here. Go ahead and face that way if you don't mind. Jacob had the opportunity to meet with David uh, a few weeks back, and uh, he wanted to do this, but he wanted to do it on his birthday. And I thought, what a special, special day to publicly demonstrate your faith in Christ, right? And your faith in the gospel in front of your church family here. And so I'll ask you, as David talked to you as well about the gospel, have you placed your faith in the gospel? Do you want to follow him as a disciple? Okay. Because of your public profession of faith in him and obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in his death. Raised to walk with him in new life. Amen. Thank you. That's awesome. What a great way to celebrate a birthday. And a great reminder for every birthday from here on on out. Are you glad to be here this morning? Amen. Good. It is always good to be in God's house. Um, busy week. Hopefully you had a good week. We did too, but it was just busy, crazy. So I feel a little distracted this morning. I, uh, we left church last Sunday right after the service was over. And my wife and I went on a 30-year anniversary trip, just cruised over to Oklahoma City. And then on the way back to Amarillo from Oklahoma City, we went to Lubbock. If you know anything about the geography stuff, that's not on the way back. But anyways, just a long road trip and then jumped in a vehicle with David. We went up to a cabin and we met the deacons for a deacon retreat at South Fork. Colorado, and it was just a wonderful time to get away and to see the, the majesty of God's creation on the top of Bristol Head. If you've ever been up there, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous view. Um, but it's just neat to see God's creation right there in front of us. I think sometimes we take that stuff for granted, right? We just don't realize it until you're there and in that moment, the awe and the grandeur of God's uh, creation in front of you. It's, a, it's good to be able to experience that. But you know what is also good is to be able to open up the Word and to hear what he, the creator of it all, has to say to us. And so it's with that heart that hopefully we come prepared to listen to what God might have for us today. Um, so Ephesians chapter 3, Pastor David had you turn there. The title of the message is The Mystery Revealed. We've been in this letter to Ephesians that Paul wrote for a few weeks now. Um, and I've been enjoying it. Hopefully you've been enjoying it as well. Uh, we've been focusing on who we are in Christ. Like getting to the identity of those who place faith in Christ. Who are we um, in Christ. And so we've been unpacking a lot of things over the past few weeks. Next week we'll begin the application side of Ephesians. Okay, now this is what we should do with what we know about who we are in Christ. And so uh, today we talk about this mystery that has been revealed. And so what I want to do is just go ahead and read all 21 verses, I say a quick prayer, and then just jump right into the text. So joining me in chapter 3, verse 1, read with me, please. When I think of all of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. Um, as you read what I have written, you will understand, or as you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets." And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises of blessings 
um, we, because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask that in this moment we would remove the distractions around us, whether it's something that's happened recently or whether it's happening right now or we're looking forward to it after church, that we could just push the pause button on all those thoughts and distractions and we can just dig into your word. We want to hear from you. And so I humble myself before you. I'm just a man. The words that I have are nothing, but your word is where the power is at. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you uh, would speak to us through the words uh, that we share today, uh, that they would not return into void, but they'll go, or they will not return to you void, but they will go and accomplish what you sent them to do. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me begin by asking the question, how do you feel about secrets? How do you feel about secrets? Well, I think it would probably depend on whether you were in on the secret or you were not in on the secret. When we were kids and someone whispered a secret in your ears, what did you do? You went around and go, I know something you don't know. I know something you... And it was fun, right? Because you were in. You knew the secret and everybody else didn't know. Well, if you're on the outside and you didn't know the secret, you know how frustrating it is because you're, you're like wondering, what is so big that everybody knows it, but I don't. I mean, they're just whispering back and forth, and I feel like I'm out. I don't know. I don't understand. What's the secret? I want to know. Well, it might, may come as a surprise to you, but God keeps secrets as well. Um, in fact, God is omniscient. There's all things that he knows. We don't know everything, and so uh, we have to understand that some of those things are secret. One day, we will know when we're in his presence, but in the meantime, God keeps secrets from us. One, for instance, that always baffles me is in Isaiah chapter 11, speaking of a day in the future, listen to what it says. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will lie together. The leopard will lie down with a baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and the little child will lead them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put his hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. 
Nothing will hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. That's a mystery to me how in one day in the future, all of the animal kingdom will be in unity with all of humanity and there will be peace. It baffles my mind. How is he going to do it? I don't know. It's a mystery to us, but one day we will see it in action. Another one is 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul says, I tell you a mystery. Um, He says, at the twinkling of an eye, just that fast, he says, in the shadow of the trumpet, the dead in Christ will be raised, and he says that we will be changed. So just think about it for a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, there will be a change of those that are living and those that have passed on. They'll be raised, and they will be changed. I don't understand how it's all going to work. That's a mystery to me, but I can assure you God's got it all planned out, right? So there's these secrets that he keeps from us, but there's this one secret that he has revealed to humanity that is so grand, it is so important, that we should not keep it a secret. Now, you got to help me out because I know we can take things for granted, and we read things that we've known for years, but for just a few moments, put in your mind, or just kind of rewind the clock, if you will, a couple thousand years ago, and this is brand new to you, because it was to the Ephesian church what Paul was revealing to them. And this mystery that he reveals was so huge, it was a, it was a game changer, and it was so awesome that Paul devoted his life to just being a messenger of this mystery, this secret plan of God. It would change culture. It would cause division. Paul would actually go to prison as a result of being a messenger of this. But I can assure you, it's the, mess, the mystery of God that is revealed to us. We use another word. We call it the gospel. Now, can I ask you a question? Are you grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so Paul is revealing this mysterious plan to a group of believers who placed their faith in Jesus. And he's saying, hey, this was God's plan from the actual beginning. In fact, it's such a grand plan that there are people that didn't even know about all the apostles and the prophets in the Old Testament, knew nothing of it. The angels wish they knew the secret, but God has revealed that secret to us. And Paul says, hey, I'm a messenger of it. So I want to take for just a couple of moments and look at this mystery um, and look at Paul as the messenger of it because I think there's a cool truth in there that we can glean from. What it means to us, this mystery, um, God revealed his secret plan, and then the ministry or the ministration or the service, how it affects me and how it should affect others through me. So let's let's talk about that for a second. So the mystery. Look at verse 6. Paul is saying, and I also need to, we kind of need to get into the, the mood here. So verse 1 and verse 14 go together. So verses 2 through 13 are like one parenthetical statement, one big parenthesis. It's like Paul has ADHD. I don't know, maybe. But it's like he's about to tell them something cool, and then he just goes off for a few verses, and then he comes back to it in verse 14. We'll see that in a moment. But I see a little excitement in Paul as he shares this. When I think of all of this, what is all of this? All that he's been sharing so far, chapter 1 and 2, right? So when I think of all of this... I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming by the way that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to the Gentiles. Go down to verse 6. What is this mystery? What is this God's plan? He says, and this is God's plan or his secret plan or his mystery unveiled. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings 
because they belong to Christ Jesus. So the mystery, this huge secret that is revealed is what we can take for granted if we're not careful. It's the gospel. We know that the way God makes man right and, and, and just brings people back to him is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not through works, not through following a bunch of laws, but through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's good news, right? And so this mystery that is revealed is that men are made right with God through the gospel. Now this is a foreign concept to the Jews of the day. And it's a foreign concept because the Jews were God's chosen people. Deuteronomy um, he says it this way in Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on the earth, the Lord God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. And so the children of Israel were God's chosen people from the beginning. Now they might start feeling a little special, right? They might start feeling like, hey, we matter to God and you don't matter to God. And so they become kind of separatists where they would look um, with other people that are not Jewish people with disdain. And so to make matters worse, some of the old documents that didn't find their way into the canonization of the scriptures, but still historical in nature, listen to what this says in, in Jubilees, which is called the Lesser Genesis. It's like a historical account uh, that kind of mirrors some of what we have in Genesis. And also you, my son Jacob, this is Israel, the nation of Israel, remember my words and keep the commandments of Abraham, your father. Separate yourselves from the Gentiles and do not eat with them and do not perform deeds like theirs and do not become associates of theirs because their deeds are defiled and all their ways are contaminated and despicable and abominable. Like, okay, you're the Jews, you're the chosen people of God, stay away from the Gentiles. Uh, in the, the Torah, under the area where they, they look at all the laws that they have under the Torah, it says this: "As for you Gentiles with whom, or excuse me, as for Gentiles with whom we are not at war, their death must not be caused. But listen to this: it is forbidden to save them if they are at the point of death. For example, if, for example, one of them is falling into the sea, he should not be rescued. For it is written, neither shall they thy stand." against the blood of thy fellow, but a Gentile is not thy fellow. Did you get that? So for a Jew, they're like, we're God's chosen people. We are special, and the Gentiles are not. In fact, if you see a Gentile that's about to die, don't rescue them. They're not a fellow Israelite, so just leave them alone. So on the one side, they might have this attitude like, we're better than you. I'm special, and you're not, because we're the Jewish people. But on the other side of that, God had prophesied through Isaiah, Isaiah 49. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles. And you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So on one hand, they have their law. They have their, their, their traditions, right? They're, they're the Jewish people, but they're supposed to be the light to the Gentiles. So how do they reconcile those two things? Well, they would proselytize them in Jesus' day and in Paul's day. If it was a, a Gentile that wanted to be considered a part of the family of God, they had to be circumcised, which was a sign of that covenant with God, and they would have to follow all the laws of Moses. And so that's how they would kind of reconcile that. But here's the thing. God was keeping a big secret that was not revealed through all of the Old Testament that would be a loud shouting, if you will, a revelation of this secret at the advent of Christ when Christ came and God was saying through this like hey I'm, I've got a new way and it's not a new way as in it's a plan B but before the foundations of the earth here's the way that I'm going to make men right with me through my son Jesus Christ Have you imagine the Jews of that day that was a difficult thing for them to swallow in fact 
Paul was in prison. I remind you, he wrote this letter from prison, um, partially because of what he was accused of doing. And later in Acts, he was accused of bringing a Gentile Christian convert into the temple, and that was a no-no. And so they arrested him, and now he's on trial. He's in Rome, and he writes this letter to the church telling them about this good news, this mysterious plan that is revealed. And God's secret that was let out is John 3.16, letters written in red that Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world, not just the Jewish people, but the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news, right? And so Jesus proclaims this. Paul is fighting against it, right? So now we look at the, the messenger of this mystery that's revealed. It's Paul. It's Saul before it's Paul. And Saul is a Jew of all Jews. I mean, he's the cream of the crop. He was very versed in Judaism, and he knew it like the back of his hands. And so this new group of people just popped up called followers of the way, Christians who believed in the gospel, and Paul couldn't let that stand. It'd be like us today seeing somebody that's preaching something completely um, foreign from the scriptures. We'd say, hey, that's heresy. We've got to shut it down. And so Paul, a good Jew, being raised under the Torah and all the laws of Moses, hears about this new group of people that are saying, no, 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 you can be made right with God by trusting in Jesus. He didn't like that. And in fact, the first martyr, Stephen was the first martyr, and at the foot of this young man named Saul, it says the witnesses threw their coats at his feet. So he was an eyewitness to the first murder in Scripture and Acts chapter 9 tells us that Saul was breathing out threats against the church, and he was going to the authorities asking for permission to arrest them that they could be killed, persecuted, because they were Christians. They were followers of the way. But we know that story, and I love that story because God has this special meeting with Saul on his way to Damascus. He's riding his donkey. Saul sees a blinding light, gets knocked off of his donkey, and he's temporarily blind. Here's a voice from heaven, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who's talking? It's Jesus of Nazareth, the one you're persecuting. Go, and I'll show you what you need to do. Later, he goes to another man. God gets another man, Ananias. Go to a place called Straight Street, and you're going to find a man named Saul who's temporarily blind. He's praying right now, and I want you to go lay your hands on him that he'll receive his sight. Ananias is like, hold up. That's Saul. Saul has been persecuting the church, and you're asking me, a believer of the way, to go to this man, Saul, who wants to arrest me, He said, no, 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 go, because he is my chosen instrument. God says this of Saul. He is my chosen instrument to take this message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And so at that moment, Paul becomes a prisoner of Christ. I love it because Paul starts right here in verse 3 or chapter 3. He says, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. He's not a prisoner of Rome. He is. But he doesn't acknowledge that here. He says, I'm really a prisoner of Christ because on the road to Damascus, he arrested me. I was going one direction, and he changed my plans, and he made a plan for me to now become a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I am a slave of, a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the benefit of you Gentiles. Right? So here's something I think that we can take away from this, that God can use anyone as a vessel. If God can take Saul, who was adamantly opposed to the gospel, persecuting Christians, in fact, trying to kill them, you know, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives, the old hymn says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. God can use anyone. And so we might look at people and say, there's no way God can love that person. Uh-uh, you need to read Saul's story because God can use anybody as a vessel. Amen? 
Or you look at yourself like, I, God could never use me. I mean, look at all I've done. I've breathed threats against. They do it today. You just say you're a Christian or you follow the word of God, and then people are just, Rah. God can change. The, God can take a modern-day Saul and change him into a Paul. Amen? And so that's what happens with this messenger. He was against this mystery that is revealed at first, and God arrested him, if you will, on the road to Damascus, changes him, and he becomes a vessel who would be a very big spokesperson for the gospel of Jesus Christ, effectively, I might add. And so Paul is basically in these parenthetical statements, he's saying, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of the grace to the Gentiles, he says, God revealed his mysterious plan to me. That was Damascus, right? As you read that I've written so far, he said, God didn't reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he's revealed it to his holy apostles and his prophets. He goes on to say in verse 9, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Can you imagine for 4,000 years, roughly, that God kept a secret from all humanity? that would be revealed when Jesus came to the earth. And Paul said, I get to tell everybody about it. Can I tell you a secret? God loves you. Can I tell you a secret? There is no one that is too far gone from the grace of God. Amen? It's still good news, isn't it? As I said a moment ago, we kind of take it for granted, like, yeah, yeah, I've read that. Check that box off in my life. But the reality is, is this still great news because he said, hey, I want to show you how to be made right with God. You don't have to jump through the hoops. You don't have to be a part of the right church. You don't have to be a part of the right, follow these thou's and don'ts, right? Thou's and don'ts. I don't know if that's proper English, but it worked in my mind. So, you know, the do's and the don'ts. It's like, but trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not by works so that we can't brag about it. We can't boast about it. It's still good news. And so he reveals this mystery to all of humanity that we can be made right with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The question is, what does that mean to us? What is the meaning of that mystery that is revealed? Look at verse 12. I don't think we completely comprehend just the significance of this one verse. Paul is telling Gentiles who were foreigners to God's plan, all Old Testament, and now he's saying, here's the mysterious plan that's revealed to you. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. That's powerful. Because throughout the Old Testament, I referred to this last week, they had the temple and they had the veil that separated the holy of holies where God was at, right? From the holy place and no one went beyond the curtain. No one. Only the special high priest and only ever once in a while and when Jesus was crucified, the top of that curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom, signifying that it was a work of God, and now everybody has access through the gospel. That's good news. And so what does it mean for us? We can now boldly, come boldly and confidently into God's presence. I struggle with that one because I look at it through the filter of who I am, and I'm like, I know who I am, and I certainly don't want to go boldly into the presence of the one that said, let there be light, because he might go, <laughs> you know, and I'm gone. I know how I think and how I live. He knows my thoughts, right? And so to say that I can come boldly and confidently into God's presence is kind of hard for me to swallow, but I realize it's not because of me, it's because of Christ and through Christ that he sees me now as, what did he say, faultless, holy, blameless? He says, because you're my, my children through the gospel, you can come boldly and confidently into my presence. That's pretty cool in of itself. You can also recap what does it mean to us. Paul has been unpacking this. We remember that this is not chapter and verses, but this is one letter, 
right? And throughout this letter, he's just been like this big box, beautifully wrapped, and he just keeps, have you seen those, like the clown or the the musician or whatever, he's pulling out of a a box and he keeps pulling stuff out. You're like, there's no way that stuff fits in there. You know what I'm saying? They pull a ladder out of a sack that's that tall. How do you do, how do you do it, right? It's like Paul's going, he just keeps pulling things out and goes, if you're in Christ, this is who you are. This is what it means. This is what he's done. This is what you get to look forward to. All these things just keep unpacking the wonderful treasures that are ours in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does it mean? Chapter 1, it means that before the foundation of the world, he chose us through Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Blameless. He adopted us into his own family. He is purchased our freedom. He forgave us of our sins. He poured his grace on us, his wisdom, his understanding. He's revealed to us this mysterious will regarding Christ, the gospel. He's given us inheritance. And it says, and as a guarantee that we will receive the inheritance and that we belong to him, he's given us himself in the Holy Spirit. That's just chapter one, the first first part. What does it mean, this mystery to us? It means that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And then he says, man, I don't think you get it. I hope that you can get to know God, not to know more about him, but to know your knowledge of God and what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance, and the power that, is, that belongs to us of those that are in Christ for the benefit of the church. What does that mean to us in one word? Everything, right? But then he goes on, chapter 2, he pulls something else out of the box. He says, hey, once you were dead because of your transgressions and your sins, but now you've been made alive When Christ was raised from the dead, you're alive. You were dead, but now you're alive. And he goes on, once you were outsiders, you were separated, that wall of hostility, you're Gentiles, there were Jews, and you didn't belong, but now because of Christ, you're in the family, and the wall of hostility is broken down between you. What does it mean to us? Everything, amen? Do you truly? Come on, I don't think you get it, church. I don't think you get it. We're going to start over at chapter 1 next week. And we're going to go through it again. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. I don't know. But it just, it's amazing what he says for those that are in Christ, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We can come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. We've been given everything through the gospel. I would say it means everything to us. This mystery that God reconciles man to himself through the gospel. Paul, as a messenger, reminds us that God can use anybody to do it. And it should mean everything to us. And then what does it accomplish in us? How does it serve us? And how should it then serve others through us? Look at verse 14. Paul returns to his original thought. If you notice verse 1 and verse 14 are exactly, when I think of all this. It's like Paul's excited. He's been unpacking all this stuff for everybody. He's like going, when I think of all of this, he gets back to his thought. I fall to my knees. And pray pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down in God's love and keep you strong. And And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Paul's prayer is for spiritual growth. And so this gospel produces within us maturity, sanctification, spiritual growth. 
You've heard me say before, God loves you like you are, but he refuses to leave you there. He will grow you in your faith into the image of Christ Jesus. What does it do in us? It grows us in our salvation. That our roots go deep and we're on a solid foundation. We're growing up in our faith. And hopefully, without even having to tell people, other people take notice, don't they? Hey, Shane, I know, if you go back to Mangum, Oklahoma, and just ask somebody if they know Shane Neese, don't do that, by the way, please. But if you do, there's a good chance they're going to go, <laughs> he's a preacher now? Oh, let me tell you a story. It's not going to be good. But the reality is, is God has a way of changing lives, and so the gospel produces within us growth, and that, that's what it does for us. It should be producing maturity in us, and I believe that maturity should be obvious to other people. So when someone sees you and they say, hey, Shane, what's your secret? It is no secret that we live in a chaotic world today. And all the stuff that goes on around us could make us just go crazy if we let it affect us. And so when you see a believer who has a solid foundation in the gospel, they're mature in their faith and they know who they are in Christ, that's standing up in the midst of all that chaos with a peace that passes all human understanding, with a joy in their spirit, it begs the question of those watching, what's your secret? What makes you different? How can you smile at a time like this? How can you have peace in the middle of this chaos? How can you do it? And it gives us the opportunity to reveal his secret. Because we're recipients of his secret, and this is one of those that we should not keep to ourselves. Amen? You hear people say, well, I'm tired of... Christians shoving their religion down my throat. And I get it. Like, hey, man, just let me do my own thing. Let me live my life. You guys are out there preaching. You're shoving it down my throat. I saw this illustration the other day. Maybe you did too. Popped up on the reels and Facebook. If that's still a thing, right? For the old people, he's still on Facebook. But this reel pops up from this influencer named China, I believe it is. And she was talking about an illustration of a snake in the backyard. And she said, you know, I had friends, just imagine I have friends that come over and we're hanging out, we're chilling and we're in the house. And all of a sudden I realize that I'm not taking my dog out to go to the bathroom. And so I'm like, hold up a second, give me a minute, I need to go take my dog to the bathroom. And so I take my dog to the backyard and as I open the door I see this dangerous, venomous snake. And I just kind of jump back real quick. I like how that, did that at the same time, right? Rattlesnake. <laughs> and I realize it and I jump back and I close the door and I go back into the room with my friend and never say a word. And then my friend, a couple minutes later, goes, you know what? I need to stretch my legs. I thought I would go outside for some fresh air. Okay. And so they go outside. They open the back door, and they immediately get bitten by a rattlesnake. And they come back frantically. They're panicked. Like, they're sweating. or They're, they're starting to swell up. And they come in like, dude, I just got bitten by a rattlesnake. Did you know there was one back there? Yeah, I knew it. The next question is going to be, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? We live in a world that they don't want to hear it, but what we need to do is explain to them that there is a danger ahead, and we're just trying to warn people in love that they need salvation, right? I would take this analogy a little bit further and say this. All of humanity has already been bitten. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous, no, not one. That means every human being has been infected with this sin. We've been bitten and the Bible says the wages of sin is death and it's a eternally dangerous situation and without a cure there's no hope 
But see, this is the, the mystery that's revealed, and it's the good news that we shout from the mountaintops. There's hope. There is an antidote, right? And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Had a conversation with someone after the first service, and they're talking about people who you know, kind of walk away from the faith. And I'm like, did they walk away from the true good news about Jesus? Or did they walk away from somebody selling them a different version of Jesus? Hey, give your life to Jesus, and you'll be happy, healthy, financially rich, and all that stuff. And when they don't see that, it's easy to walk away from that. But if we truly understand what we are saved from and the purpose of the gospel, then how would you say, nah, I think I'll wing it. Amen? So the antidote for us, we know, is the gospel and God's secret has been revealed to us. And he says he's willing that none should perish. And he's willing that none should perish. So he lets us in on the secret. The mystery that has been hidden for ages has been revealed to you and me. Do you feel like we take that for granted sometimes? Like, hey, I've got good news. There's hope for the lost. There's hope for the hurting. And you and I are recipients of that, and, and it should have an impact in our lives. And further than that, it should have an impact on other people's lives through us. And the greatest story, testimony that you can share to someone is your own story. He's like, Shane, I don't know all the things, the ins and outs about the Bible and where to lead them in the Scripture. Just tell your story. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was like Saul. Breathing threats against the church, but God in his grace, his mercy saved me, and he changed me. And I know that there's hope for you, too, in the gospel. The antidote is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the mystery that is revealed to all of humanity that Paul, in this case, is the messenger of, and it's our good news today. The question is, have you responded to the gospel? Because you can hear it, and you can say, I believe in Jesus, but not follow or obey Jesus, and there's a big difference. And to believe the gospel is to put your faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. I believe that Jesus paid the penalty for my sins on the cross. And I'm trusting in him and him alone for salvation. Have you placed your faith in him? The most important decision you'll, you'll make in your life is what do you do with Jesus? And I would ask this question too. Do you live your life in such a way that people might ask you, hey, what's your secret? What's different about you? And why do you live your life the way you do? Why do you act that way? Why do you respond this way, and I would just say to every one of us who've experienced the grace of God that have benefited from this mystery that has been revealed to us in the gospel to not keep it a secret. Amen? It's like, I'm grateful for the gospel. Are you? That God made a way for me to be made right with him through Jesus. Not by my works, because I can never do it good enough. But the good news is saying, I'm going to make a way for you to be made right with God through my son Jesus, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to make that way. And so all you have to do is trust in and believe in the gospel. I'm like, I'm in. What a shame it would be for me to keep that to myself. So like the secret's been revealed to me, and I'm like, hey, I want to get on the platform, and I'm going to say, hey, i got a secret for you. God loves you. i got a secret for you. God has the antidote for our sin problem, and he's the only way, by the way, the only one, by the way. There is no other name given under heaven by which men may be saved. Jesus and only Jesus. I say that. That's kind of narrow, Shane, but I'm just grateful that there is a way. That's the good news. Amen? So, have you placed your faith in him? Do you trust in him? Are you living your life in such a way that you reveal his secret to others just in your life? I'm thankful that God revealed his plan that was there before the foundation of the earth, before the law, before man screwed it all up in the garden, that from the foundation of the world, God made a way for men to be reconciled back to himself through Jesus. And if you've placed your faith in Jesus, I got good news. You're in. 
And you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, for the challenge in your word. And just for allowing us in this era of time to be recipients of the mystery that eluded so many prophets and authors of the letters that we read in the Old Testament for thousands of years. And we are recipients of that. You've revealed that to us through the gospel. And God, it's just beautiful that you would love us enough that you would allow us to see that. You're not making it hard. You're not making it a secret. You're saying, hey, here's the way. And it's through Jesus. And so, God, I pray that today, if there be anyone here that has not placed their faith in you, they would quit playing, they quit running, they quit avoiding, and they would just trust in you. They would repent of their sins, come to you and you alone as the antidote for their sin problem, and they would trust in you for salvation. God, I pray that we, as your people, would not take for granted just how amazing this secret that has been revealed to us and the impact that it has in our lives, Lord, that we would truly know that because of you and what you've done, we're faultless, blameless, we're adopted. God, we've got an inheritance. We've been sealed with your Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That we're no longer dead, but we are alive. That we are no longer outsiders, but we are in. Father, thank you. And as Paul wraps up that prayer, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is you and you alone that is worthy of all the praise. So I pray that you would just help that to be a reality in our hearts and lives, that we would live our lives in such a way that we would just know that it has impacted us and that we would allow your work to be done in us, that we might be able to influence those people that are around us. And Lord, they might just come to us and ask us, what is our secret? And Lord, give us the boldness in that moment to just share our story. Lord, for your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.